This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was Late Night Part 2, and our guest was Nick Bernstein. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. It is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And it is episode 111. Straight line, straight line, straight line. One, one, like one. We're marking the passage of time in our prison cell. Oh, Just yeah. Three, we've been here for three days in prison. Is that something we learned in elementary school where the, the four lines and then the cross across? That is such, that is only applicable to prison cells and to people in cap to captors. Are we captives. taught that though? Is that like a day in elementary school? Are they like, today we're going to learn the slashes? This is how we do the slashes. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's a week in math class right. that you learn how to do that. Well, it's appropriate yes. that today is uh, episode 111 yes. because we have a number one guest in number the studio. Number one of all time. How about that? Yeah. That was a pretty nice <laughs> yeah. jammed segue and a lot of pressure now on the guest. Yeah, exactly. The guest being our good friend, three-point specialist, yes. vice president of every television network's late night department. Correct. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. Nick Bernstein. Hi, guys. Thank you very much for the nice <laughs> way to be introduced. Hey, Nick. Number and we'll, one. And we'll put in like thunderous applause here. <laughs> oh, so okay, like great, a, sta- great, a stadium's great. worth of applause. Yeah, we have some yeah. big ideas. We're just going to do like a 45-minute applause track and then say, and that was Nick. That Thank was you. it. Nice. That was Nick. It was yeah. the best time I've ever had in, right. a, in an interview situation. Yeah. Thank you. Right, right, right. Episode 111. Yes. At what point? Is that too many podcast episodes? I don't think so. Okay. I think podcasts can go up to infinity now, right? Okay. I yeah, think yeah. they can. Marin's at 900, isn't he? Statler, yeah. Is Mark Marin at 900 <laughs> I think so. Episodes? Something like that. <gasps> Is that what we have to aim for? I think we're aiming for Marin level gold status. I'm going to point your mic down for career gold status. Hardwick's Hardwick's cracked the thousand point mark. Yeah, pretty sure their mics aren't even plugged in. They're just talking. (laughs) Uh You unplug the mic after episode three. You guys are just getting started. You're just getting warmed up. (laughs) Oh god, that's that sounds like good news coming out of your mouth, but that's a nightmare. I'm really sorry. You have about 850 more. Wrap it up. It's funny that you mentioned that though. We are on episode 111 of our podcast because, as we sort of mentioned in the tee off, Nick, you have worked in late night television for years. You are currently working on the James Corden show. Yes, but you have literally, just for a little context, worked with Jay Leno and. Conan O'Brien and Jimmy Fallon and Pete Holmes and now Corden and you've like really run the gamut. Yeah. So how many episodes of TV do you think you've worked on? Oh boy. That's a great question. <laughs> have you cracked quadruple digits? Um, I would imagine you might have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, You could probably put 5,000 hours oh, or something like that. Oh, mm-hmm. Probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so mean, you're you a professional it. conversation producer. Yeah, I do. You yeah. produce professional conversations <laughs> on the daily. Well, I, if I don't produce them, then I certainly watch and listen to them. Yeah, that's yeah. valid. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's valid. Yes. Ken, for uh, context, can you give the listeners a little bit of uh, background on your career and yeah. how you started mm-hmm. in late night? Uh, for sure. Well, I I started I started as a page. Yeah. Uh, I was a page at NBC in Burbank. Yes. Uh, Kenneth I, at 30 Rock style. It was at yes. 30 Rock style before yeah, people yeah. knew what that was, but yes. Yeah. And you I, were the basis of the uh, character. Did right? Tina uh, write to you? Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It but was funny how like that show really shone a light on pages, network pages. It, it absolutely really, like, did. really elevated that to a... And not to interrupt, but the NBC page is kind of like an iconic <laughs> thing. Like a lot of yeah. pages have actually turned into a lot of the known comedians that we know today. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody, I think, enters that program wanting to work in TV of right. some sort or entertainment mm-hmm. or journalism or something. Yeah. So uh, 
I, I knew I wanted to work in TV, and that was the first chance I had to like watch yeah. how TV goes and works. Yeah, and it was giving tours of the lot and working the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Yes. And then my first job out of that was working as an assistant in the late night department at NBC. There you go. Uh, my boss was this guy named Rick Ludwin, who is this legacy at NBC. Yeah. He brought Seinfeld to NBC. What's a show called Seinfeld? Remind yeah, me about Seinfeld. Um, it was originally called The Seinfeld Chronicles. Oh! You know it from its original title. <laughs> yes. so the that, Seinfeld Chronicles. Did that make it? It actually it's... had a nice little run. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did okay. <laughs> they had about 111 episodes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, 111. Yeah. Then uh, they unplugged the mic. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I got to work. I got to basically learn at his... Uh, learn from him how what an executive does yeah. and mm-hmm. how to interact with hosts of shows and people who produce shows and and do you know that you kind of wanted to end up in an, in like the executive role or something like that because I was a an intern at SNL that's right in, oh, the, yeah. in the writing department okay and I knew that like I wanted to be the writers one day so like being exactly under them was where I felt very appropriately placed. That did you makes feel, sense. Did that feel correct to you? Is that always what you want? You're like, Rick no. is my target. That's what I want. No, oh. interestingly enough, I, I didn't really know what an executive did. Right. I mean, <laughs> who does? That's right. Like, if, You're totally, that's true. Yeah. So I, I didn't, it, when I was there in that in that office and I saw like week one when I was there, yeah. he, he let me sit in on the auditions for Weekend Update, which at the time was when Jimmy and Tina wow. were wow. going into it. And that's how old I am. Uh, and um, I was their intern, so we're about the same. Okay, okay. Okay. They got hired, and then I for the listeners, really not for you, Billy. You know valid, valid. Um, Me and Nick are both sixty-five, years <laughs> and I, Adam, and I'm eighty-two years old. And then, like Robert Smigel calls up wow. on the phone and asks Rick, and I'm like, oh, so he talks to and knows all these people, and he gets to do this. Like, I might want to stick around here for a minute. Yeah, right. Um, and and it was a really cool spot because we worked in Burbank, but we got to oversee. And he got to oversee the New York shows also. Cool. That's what blew my mind when we got breakfast one day and you're like, yeah, I've worked at SNL. And I was like, oh, were you at 30 Rock when I was at 30 Rock? And you're like, no, I did it from L.A. Yeah. And I was like, huh. wait. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> because there's so much more like it's beyond the stage. Like, yeah. These are television networks. Yeah. It yeah. was I mean, I think that there are currently at NBC. Almost everybody's based in New York now, which makes sense. Because all the shows, so many shows are there. Right. Um, but uh, but at the time it was it was us out of L.A. L.A. was the yeah. base. So. Um, do you know why Rick gave you such access? Do you think it was your attitude? Do you think you... I do think that part of it was... Uh, Don't be humble now, Nick. Don't be humble. Well, I, I knew <laughs> I knew a lot about Late Night yeah. just based on being a fan of, of it, of the genre. I mean, yeah. I think all of us kind of figure it out at some point in, in their teenage years or yeah. junior high years. Yeah. Well, um, that's what I was kind of going to ask you. Were you like a comedy sort of nerd, for lack of a, a lack of a couther term than that sort of growing up? Were you glued to the Late Night shows growing up as a kid? I... I think like all of us, I, I found SNL first. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then when I was in junior high, I was when In Living Color was a big, big yeah. deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so like I remember Mondays in eighth grade <laughs> in the lunchroom, yes. we just recount every sketch that Call happened. Call Me the Clown. Yep. Yeah. Fire Marshal Bill. Exactly. All of them. Everything. Give me exactly. every joke. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. it, was, it was really every, every single joke. And yeah. so uh, I, I, I didn't get to stay up as late when I was that age yeah. every night. Right. But yeah. Good on Any, your parents. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Good at solid upbringing. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I uh, – but any break, I would stay up. I was just remembering this today. Uh, watch, I, I'd watch, I watched Letterman one time when yeah. Martin Short was on. Sure. It was in like 94. Yeah. And he had this movie called uh, – Oh, I don't know. He played like a 10-year-old. He was like 50. Clifford. Oh, Clifford. Clifford. Yeah. Yes. And With he was, the hair. Yeah. Yeah. He was so funny – on Letterman, that I was like, well, we got to see this movie. Yes. 
it probably wasn't worth yeah. the price of admission. Yeah. Um, but the interview was. But the interview was yeah. incredible. And it was sort of all these things are sort of ingrained as like, oh, these are moments. These are moments that happen. Right. I really enjoyed that. I really liked the uh, – and I, you know, I think you can retrofit yourself a little bit as right. like, oh, I can see that I liked all these things growing up. Of yes, course. Yeah. But, um, My path makes sense when I look back at it. Yeah. yeah. But I always liked morning radio. I liked uh, – I like late night television. I liked anything that was joking about yeah. what was happening in the moment. Yeah. And that's good advice because one of the reasons why it's exciting to have you on is that on Reddit, a lot of our listeners are like, tell us how to write for television. Tell us how to break into television. Mm -hmm. Like, what advice do you have? And we've covered it on so many different ways. Mm -hmm. But such a real practical piece of advice is just find an entry-level position. Yeah. Get in the building. Find a way to get Literally. in the building. Whether, yeah. And whether you or not you live in New York or L.A., there's probably a television department or studio somewhere in your town or city mm -hmm. get in mm -hmm. just try and get in the building which mm -hmm. seems like what you did that seems like what yeah. i did to a yeah. certain extent yeah and like let sure. it flower out from there absolutely right and you went to school at syracuse i did and yeah. you were in newhouse the communication school yeah so you were studying kind of tv production in school or were you yeah, yeah. i i started as a broadcast journalism major yeah mm -hmm. um, i wanted to be bob costas well, yeah, I thought that was I, – I didn't – I liked sports. I liked, yeah. uh, I liked telling stories. I realized when I went there, I felt like a lot of kids who were 18 and 19 were already talking like they were the next Brian Williams right. or the next whoever. Like, but isn't that Newhouse's reputation? They pump out the oh, sports or yeah. just the – Mike Tarico, I mean that's – yeah, you, you go down everybody, the list. It's a, it's a lot of people that came from that area. And so it made sense. A lot of people wanted to be there, but right. they were sort of doing that every day all day. And, and I uh, – I just liked telling stories in a different way. So yeah. I went to the television, radio, and film as a major. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked at this the local radio, the Syracuse radio station. It was called Z89. Yes. The college uh, radio station is always the coolest yeah. radio station. <laughs> always a Z. There's always a Z. There, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing that was cool about Z89 was that they were emulating a pop radio station. So yeah. they wanted you to be like, a, they wanted you to have real world experience. And yeah. so I did oh. the morning show yes. one year there. Um, and that's when I kind of figured out, like, oh, this is where you grab jokes from, and this is what's happening, and this is what you want right. to uh, goof on. And yes. I didn't even say, I didn't even think I wanted to go into radio. I didn't want to be on air. I had no right. real like yeah. aspiration to do that, but I just liked the world. And yes. that's perfect small scale example of just show production. Yeah, just seeing what you what elements you need to actually fill out an hour or two hours of program. How to book guests. How right. To, uh, how to fill time. All yes. of that was really important. Did you have a radio voice? Did you have a welcome back to Z eighty nine? It's me, Nick Bernstein. No, no, We've no, got no, posters, posters in the studio and prizes. Me to well. away. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. Assume that I did. <laughs> yeah, we all do. We're yeah. waiting for it to come out. Whenever yeah. you're right, we're yeah. not saying do it now. Yeah. Yeah. But if, yeah. if, if you're inspired at any point, you're like, you know what I was thinking, Billy and Adam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could hit the post on a song if you really need me to, probably, but I don't think. I you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got yeah. it. Yeah. We learned that term from Jake Fogelmest when he was in here. Did you? Really? Our radio guy. We we're like, he knows all the like the radio <laughs> lingo. Yeah, I would I say the, the difference between Jake Fogelmest and you is that he is a 24/7 like 1990s radio. I feel like he's always like just down here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seems like he just smoked a cigarette. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, well, you moved out of Rick's office, I assume, or at yeah. some point that changed. Did he? Was he the one who was like, hey, you're ready for a level up? Well, that uh, – no, that's a really good question. I wanted to I, – I realized how much I enjoyed those shows, mm -hmm. but I knew that even going in. Mm -hmm. uh, I always found uh, Conan's humor to be just – Next level. Agreed. Um, Adam said that's his comedy North Star. Yeah. yeah. He, that's, like, what, that's what you follow. My com if I had to elect a comedy president, like whose taste I always agree with, who I think is the smartest, funniest one, I think it's Conan. Has been my whole life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I get that 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I really liked all of those shows. I was also there at a really interesting time because uh, we were already looking at transitioning from the current regime of late night shows to the next era of late night shows. Yeah. Being, and, meaning what? Like Leno and Letterman to... Well, it was at that point, yeah. I mean, for us, uh, we thought Conan was uh, was the next Tonight Show host. Right, yeah. Uh, we knew He that, was for a second. Uh, yeah, yeah. We thought that uh, Fallon was going to be the next late night host. Right. And he well, was. We were talking about this in 2002. Wow. Um, there was a week where uh, Conan hosted the Emmys for the first time and Jimmy hosted the VMAs for the first time. Cool. and. Rick and I looked at each other and said, like, I think this is the next. The future. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, it took seven years. Yeah. Um, which was is that, also crazy. Was that 2008 yeah. or nine when, like, uh, all of those, like, shifting hosts, Leno leaving, Leno coming back? Was yeah. that, that was all around then, 2008 that was all, and nine? Uh, and yeah, right? I mean, it was, uh, it was all in that era. Like, it was either announcements were happening right. or. That was news. Yes. Generally, that was all kind of news. Yes. And then 2009 is when all of the actual transitions happened. And were you at NBC for all that? I was there the whole time, yeah. So at a certain point, Rick, uh, when he realized, oh, I want to stay there, I'm, I enjoy learning, yeah. I enjoy these shows. There you go. Uh, he, was, he promoted me from an assistant to like a junior executive level and then yeah. to, uh, they named me vice president. Um, That's a pretty big jump. There. I mean, I'm no, I'm no, I've never really worked in an office long enough to know how titles actually <laughs> how go. How business cards work. But I'm, sh- but when I hear vice president, vice. I always think that's more powerful than the president. <laughs> yeah. Like vice. you never hear of the president, but you're when you right meet the vice, that. you meet the vice president, you're like, whoa. But cool. I, I think that's, I think that's only because there's only one vice president of the country. There's hundreds right. of vice presidents right. in a business. Yeah, it's so. like Adam, we could just be the vice presidents of the No Joke. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You might be. Yeah. Nothing stopping yeah. us from just ourselves? printing out that. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that, fellow vice president. This, uh, is, this is yeah, a treat. congratulations you guys Thank on your you. promotion. You, they say you should uh, end you on a, see it coming. They but. say you should end on a high, and we just got big news, Adam. <laughs> we just got we are now the vice presidents of the No Joke Huge podcast. Huge for us. Thank right. you, listeners. Um, it's the first act break. <laughs> yeah. Things happen fast on this show. Yes. Um, do we have a song uh, that we're inspired by? Is there? Does Mike Pence have a favorite song? Oh, <laughs> does Mike gosh. Pence know about songs? <laughs> <laughs> is he familiar with joy and music <laughs> has, and mirth? Has he heard about mirth? Um, a uh, song, a vice presidential song, or a late night. Listen, song. you know, I, I knew this was coming. Guys. Yeah. Yes, yes, Nick. We Please love Nick. this from the guests. And here's the thing. We haven't really talked about this yet, but we all know each other because we play basketball. Very much so. All Go the on. time. Yes. We'll, get, we'll get right uh, into that. I next. listen to songs to psych myself up as I'm driving to oh, the court. This is so and I figured, talking about this that. is so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I figured we could hit one of those songs. Please. I think we're going to we? hit two. Can I think we? we're going to hit both. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye West. Oh, oh yeah, oh, dude. My God. Hell yeah. Is this da na 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 na? Yes. yes. Okay. Exactly. The okay. music video was Zach Galifianakis. All right, guys. Uh, yeah. We're about to get really hyped, just like Nick gets hyped on Saturdays. Yes. The No Joke Podcast. We'll be right back. We're all in Nick's car right now. La, la, yeah. la, la, wait till I give my money right. Oh. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I smit that on a necklace. Oh. I told God I'll be back in a second. Man, it's so hard not to act reckless. To whom much is given, much is tested Get arrested, guess until he get the message I feel the pressure, under more scrutiny And what I do, act more stupidly Bought more jewelry, more Louis V My mama couldn't get through to me The drama, people suing me I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me I'm just saying how I feel, man I ain't one of the Cosby's, I ain't go to hell, man I guess the money should have changed them. I guess I should have forgot where I came from. Wait till I get my money right. 
can't tell me nothing, right? What Excuse me, was you saying Dang. something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> you can't tell me nothing. Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. Let up the suicide doors. This is my life, homie, you decide yours. I know that Jesus died for us. But I couldn't tell you who the side was So I parallel double park that mother sideways Old folks talking about back in my day But homie, this is my day Class started two hours ago Oh, am I late? No, I already graduated And you can live through anything if magic made it They say I talk with so much emphasis Ooh, they so sensitive don't ever fix your lips like collagen To say something where you gon' end up apologizing. Let me know if it's a problem then Aight man, hollering. La, 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 la Would you like it, my money, right? La, 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 la And you can't tell me nothing, right? Excuse me, was you saying something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing you can't tell me nothing. Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. Let the champagne splash. Let that man get past. Let that man get past. He don't even stop to get gas. If he can move through the rumors, he can drive off of fumes, cuz. How he move in a room full of nose? How he stay faithful in a room full of... Must be the pharaohs in tune with his soul. So when he buried in a tomb full of gold... Treasure, what's your pleasure? Life is a uh, depending how you dress her. So if the devil wear Prada, Adam, Eve wear Nada, I'm in between, but way more fresher. But way less effort. Cause when you try hard, it's when you die hard. Your homies looking like why God when they reminisce over you, my God. You saying something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. La, 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 la. Would you like it, my money, right? La, 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 la. Then you can't tell me nothing, right? Welcome back to the No Joe Podcast. This is Act Two. We're talking to Nick Bernstein. That was Kanye West. Can't tell me nothing. Nick's one of Nick's psych up songs. Yes. Not the only one. No, one no, of no. them I in the catalog. It feels like a burden that we now have to talk for 13 <laughs> minutes. I just want to hear the next psych up song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just want to hear it, but we'll get into that. Yes. Okay. Um, one thing that I once read, Nick, we follow each other on Twitter, and yes. you once wrote something that I thought was so interesting. And okay. I bet you're like, oh, God, what's Billy going to say? No, no, no. I'm okay. I'm okay. He tweets about once every four months, so yeah. you don't 
don't really have to go through yeah. that many. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But I will say, you once tweeted that you write hundreds of cards a year. Yes. Was that sarcastic? No. Hand- handwritten true. cards that you mail out. I yeah, I, usually like during the holidays, almost exclusively during the holidays. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. But that is I, such a lovely gesture. Yeah, and I, I, when I saw when I saw you read that, I was like, I need to start writing more mail. Yeah, mail makes all the difference. The, I think the so. emotional difference between mail and email is vast. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I 100 percent agree. I yeah. I, uh, I I do. I really respect and revere the U.S. Postal Service. Yes, yes Nick, love and that. I think that it's incredible that you can. Pay fifty cents to get something to another part of the world, and it works. Essentially yeah. guaranteed, and it works. Yes, right. I. It's my, so cheap. Yes, my, to mail ourselves across the world costs thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Why do we cost so much to mail? Yeah. Right. I, I'll. I'll. Uh, just a quick story. I have Please. two kids, uh, both girls, uh, and they went to a sleepaway camp for mm-hmm. the first time this year. Mm. Uh, during that camp, they have to write letters back home. Yep. Uh, or to a family member. My youngest daughter, Livy, who is eight years old, yeah. wrote a letter and addressed it completely incorrectly to my brother, her <laughs> uncle, James. How? What did uh, she write? She, it, she, it was supposed to go to uh, a, a town in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. That's a tough word, Cincinnati. Yeah. She wrote Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yes. Cincinnati. No address. Tough. Like no actual house address no. on there. No way. Uh, no zip code. How? But Nick. It got there. Nope. Nope. Denied. It got there. (laughs) Denied. Don't believe it. Cincy math. Somebody. She just wrote Cincy math on an envelope. And the mailman was like, I got this. I couldn't believe it. But there had to be somebody. I would love to find this person. Someone at the postal, <laughs> the post office there yes. who was like, we got to get this kid's letter yes. to her uncle. It's as if the post office has a decoder ring. Yeah. They yes. can just like like put across the envelope <laughs> and it's like what she meant was. Yes. Natty. That we got is, it. Uncle James. So yeah. Adam yeah. and I are also huge fans of the USPS. Love him. Oh, about well a month ago, uh-huh. we had a conversation about what is the uh, – the, pre- the precise amount of weight that you could put in an envelope oh. that you can mail one stamp with. Uh, but it couldn't be a letter. So we challenged the listeners at home to try and mail us things. Wow. That would fit under uh, – that would be one stamp. That's right. And somebody sent us uh, instant oatmeal. Yes. Okay, a packet of instant oatmeal. <laughs> okay. Except Nailed. it was sent back to them because it was a little too heavy. That's right. No. They took tweezers to the packet. One by one, took it out until they found the exact weight and sent it back. Oh, Removed oh, individual my. oats until they got it right. We called it the one stamp challenge, right. and it was the USPS showed up. Everyone did their job. That is phenomenal. It was like a weird test of the mail service, and it, again, to your point, it works per- somehow. Yeah. It works perfectly. So I would like to pose a new challenge to the no joke yes. listeners. Yes, I would like the typo challenge to be a thing. The typo challenge. I oh. want you all to put in a letter in an envelope That's on one piece of paper. I want you idea. to write. We did it. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> message. We that's did the it. only message we want to open in the envelope. You Will can put it find your, us? Yeah, put your name and Twitter handle as well. <laughs> then, on the outside of the envelope, I want you to butcher the headgum address. Yeah, mangle it. But not to the degree where it might not get here. Right, since a math style. Yeah. In the since a math style. As a matter of fact, yeah. let's call it, we need five typos yeah. in the address. Yeah. And let's just see. If you get a return to sender, then take a picture and post it to No Joke Pod on Twitter. If we get it, we'll dance around for days. The typo yeah. challenge. The typo challenge. Can right. I make, su- make a suggestion? Please. You are the producer? Yeah, yeah so please, Nick. Uh, if you are doing this challenge... Listener, uh, have your child write it out. Yes, exactly. Why? You think that they'll be more respectful of children's handwriting? I do think that that might help. 
you're thinking about the psychology of the post-man or post-woman at the building. I'm using, I'm only emulating what what worked. Yes, yes. yes. And if you have terrible handwriting, you don't need a child, they'll probably assume it's a child. Yes. Safe to say? Crayons, perhaps? Crayons, maybe? (laughs) And the Postal Service is interesting because it gets shit on these days. It's like, it's. I feel like it's one of the things that like Stamps.com, all these like companies are trying to like disrupt mail. But like the U.S. Postal Service has been around probably since like the 1700s and is still working. It works. I I really, I try to send letters to as many people as I can. Uh, Particularly, I work a lot with kids. Yeah. And I will send letters to kids so that they know what the experience is like to go to the mailbox and get something that is... That is meaningful. That's really mentioned. And that is yeah. one of the wonderful reasons why we have Nick Bernstein on the podcast <laughs> yes, today. Exactly. That is lovely. It when really you is. were talking back to late night comedy, when sure. you were talking about, okay, 2002, Jimmy hosted the VMAs, Cohen hosted the Emmys, wow, yeah. this could be the next regime. It is until seven years later yeah. that that actually comes into fruition. It just, I think, speaks to how much of an institution, and it, it is like a regime, it is almost like a government handoff, like a transitional regime kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what's happening in those seven years kind of behind the scenes to sort of pro- properly and effectively groom a Conan or a Fallon to like take the next step? What's happening hmm, there? Question. Yeah. Like in that seven years between like idea and execution. Yeah. It's interesting. It's different for each, for, for each person. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, I can't speak on, on what was going on in Conan's head necessarily. Yeah. Jimmy's, I mean, for Jimmy, let's say, uh, you 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 have no idea whether that's even possible then. It's yeah. just an idea that someone has. Like, right. it would be great if we could do this. Yeah. But he's still on Saturday Night Live. Oh, right. We don't know what his transition's going to be after that. He hasn't hosted a talk show, really. He has yeah. to do in Taxi with Queen Latifah right now. Yes, well, exactly. right. Exactly. He has an opportunity <laughs> that different... extend way yeah. beyond yeah. what we would like to happen. Yeah, right. Um, and so you just, you just don't know. You kind of, uh, you hope and you have conversations and you talk about it. There was a point where Jimmy hosted... Guest hosted for Letterman once, right? Um, where you know it's a big deal and it's a great honor for yes. him. But uh, we were a little nervous there that like, oh, somebody might see that and and change the course of what we're hoping is going to happen. Right. Oh, uh, they also don't have Lauren Michaels, uh, yes. right, as as the person who can help to yes maybe move things along yep. or at least yep. encourage. Yep. Not only did you have sorry to interrupt, but no. not only did you have uh, Fallon replace Letterman one time, but you also were in, uh, in oversaw a very funny replacement one night on Late Night, this where you brought in two Late Night about. hosts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One is a very good friend of ours, and one is a bit of a peripheral friend of ours. Uh-huh. But Ben Schwartz, our good friend, yes. and Adam Pally. Yes. You just said, "Hey, take the keys to the car." Yes. What show? Uh-huh. Were, what show were they on? Okay, was so it? Yes, please. That was. Uh, this was. I, I work at CBS now. I work with James Corden now. Before James started hosting, there was like this uh, almost three month period of interim guest hosts. Yes. And Post Ferguson pre Corden. Yes. Yeah. After <laughs> Ferguson ended, yeah. most of them happened in uh, in LA. Yeah. Right. Um, one week happened in New York. Yes. The what was supposed to happen in the New York episodes were uh, CBS this morning was potentially going to do uh, an hour in late night. Oh, mm. interesting. And uh, and instead they were like, we would prefer if if we didn't do that. Yeah. You can use our studio. Huh. Um, uh, just not our people. You can just have not the room, just not the humans. And yeah. so And so that was the only week of the guest hosted shows that I was involved in. I had only been at uh, CBS for about two months there, but... Wow. You know, this is when it's time for a producer to make a little magic, uh, or, to, or to put their creative yeah, thinking really. hat on. No, seriously, yeah. it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I was at a point where I was like, what am I? What are we going to do with 
this is the news. This is a news, news studio. Desk. It's already so, like, yeah, the eyes to brain. Yeah. It feels different right out the gate. We're not going to be able to bring audience in here or anything. Right. Or a band. So, right. Yeah. So I, uh, I asked, uh, well, they'd already, CBS had already asked Regis Philbin if he would host. And I was like, well, that would be fun. I've never really met Regis. Yeah. He worked with Rick, my old boss, for a long time. Yeah. So I knew there was a connection there. Yeah. Uh, I asked Whitney Cummings if she would host for a couple uh-huh. of days. Uh-huh. Um, and then I told her agent, uh, I asked Whitney Cummings if she could host for a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, That's the right order yeah. of operation. Every producer um, knows. And, then, excited uh, first. and then I asked Adam, uh, Adam and Ben. I, be, I think I asked Adam first if he, was, uh, if he would do it. And I was like, here's the deal. We're at CBS this morning. There's no audience. I think we could do like a weird, quirky, fun show. Right. Um, Any sarcastic comedian would be like, get me in that weird studio oh, now. It was. I mean, it's a Let really... Let me be weird for you. It was a real strange opportunity and crazy opportunity. And we... Uh, it also... what That week, there was, a, there was a snowstorm that shut down the city. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be? Yeah. So we had to scramble a lot for guests and for... I remember uh, exactly who you had on. Was it Howard Stern's wife? It was Beth Stern. How the yeah. hell yeah. did you just do that? Because yeah. I this is what I was going to ask him about. I have vivid memories of watching that and yeah. being like, is this real? Like, yeah. is that Adam and Ben? Like, this is hysterical and bizarre. And right. It almost felt like they had broken into the studio yes. and like flipped on the cameras themselves right. and were like doing it against everyone's permission. And yeah. did Corden, did he guest host any of those? Like, how does, no. so then how does a guy from London who's known for musical theater and just being like a really positive guy and an actor, Great actor. How, do, how does one find him be like, he's actually what we're looking for? Well, that's interesting. That was, that was before I started okay. and, I uh, and it was all credit to, to Les Minvas and Nina Tassler who saw him hosting, uh, or not hosting, he was starring in a Broadway show called One Man, Two Governors. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and they were talking to him about about television in general and yeah. doing something at CBS. And, oh. then, and they brought up the late night idea to him. He tells the story much better than I will. Um, but he and his friend uh, and producer who works, who they worked with in London, mm-hmm. a guy named mm-hmm. Ben Winston, they they felt like this was an opportunity to really showcase all the things that he could do. Yeah. And that's, what's great about late night. It's like they're used to shows are usually built around the host's sensibilities right. and you know, like, and so he brought something even, he felt like a, another, like coming out of Fallon. He yes. felt like a nice thing where it's like, Oh, now we like expect a little music like, you know, a yeah. little bit more like song and dance man. Yeah. A little more right. theatrics to yeah. our late night. And he shines man. with that. Yeah. It's really, thanks. I mean, I, I I'm, uh, I get the, I'm, I have the opportunity to watch it every day. It's yeah. really special. Yeah, uh, he is a, one of those guys who he he is he wants to be able to do it all. Right. Uh, he can you know we tell topical jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can he's an incredible actor, and so he Truly. can really like get into a character whether he's being sort of like a hyper stylized version of himself right. or if he's you know he played Melania Trump a couple of weeks I know right. and he's like totally convincing and authentic and such a great thespian and I think yeah. one of his highest, like highest qualities the most repeatable value is that he seems so joyful yeah. and it yeah. really shines in the carpool karaoke series yes. sure, yeah. it's like he seems like all of us if we were driving next to Mariah Carey or if we were sitting next to Britney Spears yeah. or if we were sitting next to, you know, it was just like, he seems like, oh my God, I can't believe this is my life. Yes. Yeah. And that whole series is like, that almost felt like, oh, now this is the new expectation of late night where it's like, you need great segments. Yeah. And the segments are almost going to start pulling us online, which will bring in new people. It's. Yeah. It's, I, new- it's the greatest thing about uh, what's happened over the last, I guess, five or six years is uh, I, I think that late night always 
sort of lived in that space. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we grew up, we would say, did you see that last night? Mm-hmm. There was right. the only one way to see that. Mm-hmm. But if if Triumph was around, mm-hmm. uh, if Triumph just debuted now, yes. it would light the internet on fire. Within right. a day, yeah. he would have yeah. his own show. But, but I mean, you guys did it right. I mean, you have two shows that have been born out of the show. I mean, Drop the Mic. There have been, yeah. Drop wow. the Mic on TVS. And Carpool and Karaoke on Apple. Apple. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ben and Rob really, uh, Rob Crabb um, is the other executive producer of the show. They, they, they all... Uh, they didn't necessarily create segments on the show that were like, we're going to spin these off and move. Right. But it, it really is the world that, that we live in now that you can have a, a bit that works and exists and can uh, can live beyond the seven minutes every month or so. That's, that's right. right. The internet tells you that's the spin. Yeah. Right. It's like, we want it more. Right. Give us a whole show of it. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got good news. We talked for 13 minutes. Whoa! Hey. We can now hear Nick's second uh, pump-up song. As vice presidents of the No Joke Podcast, we're wow. stoked yes. to hear this next track. Before Nick yeah. tells us, <laughs> okay. Adam, do you want to guess? Do you want to guess what – knowing what you know about Nick? Nick, okay, judging by Nick, I know that Kanye's on the list. I know that um, we have a big sports fan, Syracuse. I might even say it might be something sort of really on the nose and something in the Jock Jams family. Like oh. not quite pump up the volume. Okay. But like maybe something like kind of arena sportsy like arena rocky like that okay I'm guessing i'm guessing okay i'm gonna go with like uh since he if he's listening to a, a multitude of songs i know yes. he's coming from generally like pasadena or he has a bit of a drive yeah mm-hmm. he's a bit of a drive to the court so yes. he's probably listening to at least 10 songs i don't think he's going 10 rap songs yeah, in a row probably not so let's i'm gonna go with guns and roses welcome to the jungle yeah like something rocky yeah, yeah. something a little heavier yeah are we going to the jungle <laughs> we, we are not going to the okay, jungle. okay. that's fine that's fine we've <laughs> we aren't. been demoted to regular person we're, yeah nor Nick are does we... not sound <laughs> no we're not nor going are to we jock jamming shoot i'm really sorry guys no please this is a deep cut you would never have gotten please it, so. okay uh so um it isn't rap either okay uh <laughs> It's a single from Julian Casablanca's uh, solo album. Okay. Much different. Uh, Out of the Blue. Great. Okay. That's the name of the song or that's the, the album? Name of the, that's the name of the song. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Yes. Julian Casablanca's Out of the Blue. That literally came yeah, out, out of the, the blue. blue. We'll be right back with Nick Bernstein and the No Joke Podcast.
Welcome back to the No Joe Podcast. That was Julian Casablancas' song, Out of the Blue, which gets Nick in the zone, in the hoop zone. Uh, it Good should up. be mentioned that while that song was playing, Nick wrote 35 cards. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, he wrote and mailed 35 cards to children math. around the yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful yeah. man. You're welcome, everybody. It yeah. is the third act of the No Joke Podcast. Once again, we are talking about Late Night with Nick Bernstein. Yes. Uh, let me use this opportunity to remind everyone of our second podcast. Oh, yes, that's right. We have another one. It is on Patreon. It is a candy competition podcast correct it is called fun size yes you can find it at patreon.com slash no joke pod and in that podcast adam what do we do okay we take two similar candies we pit them head to head against each other and we determine which one you should grab in the candy aisle right we judge these candies on a sort of four categories on the packaging what the packaging looks like the presentation what does the nude candy body look like it just laid on at a paper towel correct the taste of it and of course the risk right so so if you're looking to answer your candy questions please check out fun size podcast yes patreon slash no joke pod yes great now we were talking about carpool karaoke and the sort of segmentation of late night Mm -hmm. uh you, Nick, as a longtime late night producer that spans like pre-internet viral video and post-internet viral video world of late night comedy, you feel like the clipping off and segmentation of late night comedy, you do not, I'm asking you, you do not feel like this is an existential threat to people watching late night comedy shows you think that it do you, or do you think that it yeah. helps and draws an audience I've, yeah. I've never felt like it cannibalized yeah. i always thought that it just uh, allowed more people to to sample and check out yeah. what's going on i mean it's I, I think it's the way almost everybody uh gets a chance to see literally all of the late night shows yeah. right i mean it's i i, I it's how I watch a lot of late yes. night. Uh, yeah, it feels not- like modernization. It just feels like the, just everything's adapting That's to right. what technologies are out there and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I think that it's. I, I think that both exists in in a good way. I enjoy watching an hour's worth of TV. I like yeah. right. sitting into it and seeing a, a transition from uh, whatever's happening in the news to whatever funny bit is going on right. to two people talking or four people talking, whatever right. the, whatever right. the situation Same. is. Yeah. To pull it all off. Mm-hmm. And that's a good segue into what's happening in the news. It's a fascinating time where like Jimmy Kimmel is one of our most, and I'm not going to ask you to speak on Jimmy Kimmel's mm-hmm. behalf, but he's like one of our most like outspoken political advocates in late night television right mm-hmm. now. And so it doesn't seem a like, senator. yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like that was like put upon him. Right. It seems like, I'm an American too. I have this platform and I'm going to use it for this. Yeah. Which is kind of a, it's a bold move. Yeah. It can potentially be very divisive. Yeah. Sometimes people don't come to watch a comedy show for po- politics. That's right. Uh, it's a fascinating thing to see like how we have to react, yeah. you know, how these hosts and shows have to react, if at all, to politics. It, and it feels like the late night landscape is vast and nuanced enough where you can have hosts like Jimmy Kimmel and Colbert who are like really explicitly political and make that, fold that really sort of Seth Myers as well. Brand, Seth Myers. Yep. And then also you can have a Fallon and, and James Corden obviously makes tricks about Trump who can, you almost sure. can't not. One should. One should. <laughs> right. But like there's enough sort of, yeah, like the range and the spectrum of late night TV is wide enough to sort of encompass, right. I think, all these different tones. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder if that's like something that's uh, present in, you know, the conversations you guys have. When I was on talk show, The Game Show, for example, uh-huh. we kind of made a point not to discuss or make jokes out of Trump a lot on the mm-hmm. show simply because it felt like everyone else was going to be doing it. And if we had a half hour of television once a week, it didn't feel like our best use of time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I wonder if there is a personal responsibility or if, if that even comes up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that everyone has to be true to what makes the most sense to, to them and their show. But I think that there is an onus on all of the shows and I give literally everybody credit for tackling it in the way that feels unique to them. Yes. I I, I think, 
uh, the Comedy Central shows do that. I think Robin Thede does that. Yeah. I think uh, I think James and Stephen do that. Yeah. I think Jimmy and Seth do it. Yeah. And Kimmel also. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I can understand when people get tired of hearing about uh, politics every day sure. in every facet of their lives. Yes. Right. But I, I do think that... Uh, all of these hosts have a pretty unique take. And, and I mean, I, I say that because I I watch most all of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I don't get tired of it. I mean, and I also i am working on uh, the Stephen Colbert spinoff also, which is called Our Cartoon President. It just debuted on Showtime. That's right. It's a whole cartoon about the White House. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. <laughs> and it's in the same way. It's it's a different take, but I, I, it's no less it's no less interesting. Right. There's room for it all. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. nice that it, the we don't lose sight of the hosts and what makes the hosts interesting and why they're the hosts of the show. It's yeah. not they are not like a, a cog for a late night show. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like we can take their personal accounts or their personal beliefs and yes. use those things. I also think I think everyone has, especially if you're doing a show that's on every night, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're on broadcast or whether you're Conan. Yeah. Uh, I I think that uh, whatever is happening that day, mm-hmm. uh, you probably have to speak to. Right. And I, I don't think that that is different either than yeah. how it's been for 50, 60 years. Totally. I, mean, I know that totally. Johnny Carson had to talk about what was happening in the Vietnam War every mm-hmm. night. Yes. He didn't necessarily spend five minutes telling jokes about it, but you had to address whatever exactly. was happening. And that, you know, or even it's hard to remember, but like 12 years ago during Katrina, like that was... There weren't jokes about it, but you had to assess what was happening Trust there. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the role of the yeah. late night show. Let's talk about one of the format, earth-shattering format changes of the James Corden show. Okay. All the guests come out at once. Yeah. Was that Group a, chat. Yeah. Group chat. chat. And I know yeah. that's maybe like the Graham Norton, like UK style, maybe. There is a bit of that, yeah. A, a bit of that, was... but like, I remember like gripping my chair. I was like, whoa, this is new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's really They're all coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I mean, I, again, credit to to... To Ben and Rob and, and yeah. James for uh, – and Sheila Rogers also, who's the uh, talent exec yeah. that, that runs it and had to talk to the guests of the show and say, this is how we're treating this. Yes. Uh, and uh, James has told the story too, but on our first night on the show, uh, Mila Kunis and Tom Hanks were both guests. <laughs> and you know, if Tom Hanks is the one who's setting the template for yeah. – it's okay to be out here at the same time with somebody else. There's no one or two. Right. You're all together. Right. Uh, it's really hard for anyone else to to say I'm not going to do this. Tom Hanks blessed this, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, yeah. If Tom, Hanks, Tom Hanks blessed. Th- this. Who are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it really does open up. You know, I mean, I think a lot of it uh, for me personally, like I, I've I feel like podcasts are a really important part of where talk shows are right mm. now. Also, in terms of the type of conversation that you have, and yeah. you know, when I worked on the Pete Holmes show, that was very uh, important to to me. Also, that yeah. that this felt like a genuine conversation, and it's hard to. Uh, transition that to television because you're not necessarily doing a podcast in front of 500 people. This is something we've discussed before where it's like, how do you take the No Joke podcast and turn it into a television show? Mm -hmm. Do you actually take the podcast and turn it into a television show Mm -hmm. or do you just say, hey, Billy and Adam, you've developed your dynamic for 12 years now. You know how to carry a show. We know your point of view. We Mm -hmm. know your tone. Mm -hmm. We're going to take that and turn that into a late night show. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's just an interesting thing that's always on my mind. What's the best way to position Adam and I for like a talking heads two mm-hmm. camera type show? Yeah. Well, yeah. both things really exist because I mean, you go back to Carpool Karaoke, yep. that conversation feels a little more like a podcast totally. conversation. That's totally. true. Um, but I feel like the when you're doing something in front of an audience, that feels like a live podcast to me a little yes. bit also. And yeah. uh, especially when you have four or five people at a at a clip talking, I, yeah. I find That's that true. really encouraging and engaging. Yeah. 
the unique aspect of it in a podcast situation is you don't necessarily get to see all your friends who also like this show right. or just you're not, you're not necessarily friends with them. It's just now you are because you all like Jimmy yeah, Pardo or you all exactly. like Pete or whoever it is or you guys or right. Jake and Amir. Like I've seen it all. It's really yeah. fun to watch. This. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were talking about Talk Show, the game show um, with Casey Schreiner, uh, our last episode. And we were just talking about the artifice of um, audiences are so savvy now and people know what yeah. late night shows are for and they know the mechanics and they're aware of the artifice of it that these Tom Hanks and Mila Kunis are there to plug a movie. They're there to be friends, but they're there to plug a movie as well. And I do feel like the group chat and there's something about James Corden and sort of bringing all the guests out at once that subtle change that really, to me, helped dismantle some of that artifice. Well, I think about, like, text messaging, even. And it's like, I've been text messaging with one person since, like, eight years ago, where I was, like, Mm -hmm. only like, but now there's group chats. Yeah, yeah. And, like, those are way more fun. true. When people are just dive-bombing into your conversation, you're like, oh, you're still on this? (laughs) Yeah. So I I feel, it almost feels like you have to kind of change with the times to a certain extent. Another one of my favorite things that you guys did was when, I I think maybe Corden's done this a couple times, but going to a random person's house and hosting the show from yeah. the bold. living room. That was yeah, bold. Yeah. That was very bold. With Goldblum once, that was amazing. Yes. I mean, yeah. that, again, like some real riveting television there. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice of you to say. I they, loved that. I, it was one of my favorite conversations that I had because I hadn't known Ben. I'd known Rob Crabb for a very long time. We worked together uh, when I helped to oversee the last call with Carson Daly show. And mm-hmm. Rob Crabb is who? Rob Crabb, I'm sorry. He's the ex- other executive producer, gotcha. uh, showrunner of the James Corden show. Cool. Yep. And so uh, Rob and Ben and, and James... Uh, kind of like all in went to pitch me on the idea of a house show and they wanted to do it. It was their fourth episode that they wanted to do. Yeah, it was right right away. Unbelievable. And like not like a CBS move. That felt like a small network like let's get weird move. Yes, Yes, exactly. It absolutely was. I mean, fortunately, like I just spent a year being weird. Which (laughs) true. You were um, in the weird headspace. You made it weird. I really, I I helped to make it weird for America. (laughs) And uh, and so I was all in. I thought it was a great idea and a really exciting uh, way to do something. And and I feel like the hardest aspect of all these late night shows uh, early on is, all right, you know you're going to come out week one and have some big guests, and it's where you put all your right. chips in. Yep. But what do you do week two? That's it. And sophomore what do you do week slump. Three? Sophomore slump. That's real. And so they uh, they decided to do a house show, and it aired their second week. They taped it their first week, but it aired their second week. And I was like, this, this just is what late night's supposed to be, and 1230 in particular. Yeah, man. If you yes. liked Letterman, if you liked Conan. Come on. Where they got weird. Uh, it, weird. Yeah, it got, got weird. weird. Yeah. yeah. It's the only place you can really be weird in, on, on broadcast television, I yes. think. And they wanted to be – like, did they know and did you have this inkling too where it was like, we're going to not follow the rules? Like, did you did you have that like set out where it's like, we're not going to try and mimic the other shows? It's like, we're going to try and find our – because that just seems like such a big swing mm-hmm. yeah. to leave the studio mm-hmm. when you just built it. There was, a, there was absolutely a sensibility on their end that they wanted to uh, – define who they were uh, uh, both for themselves for the the people who worked on the show and for the viewers right and yeah. uh and reaching out and making sure like you got to tune in and watch this yeah um i thought it was a great idea i was on i, I was excited about it from the beginning really the, you didn't have any sort of hesitation where it's like let me sleep on it n- i didn't at all i was i didn't i really didn't i felt like That's so awesome it, it also was paying homage to what so much of late night does great in general. Like leave the studio, leave the studio, yeah. go and talk to random people. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, if you are a Conan fan, like, oh, yeah. you know, one of the, one of the all time great things he did in the beginning was he went to Houston because they ran his show in Houston at like three in the morning oh, stop uh, it. and he walked around <laughs> oh, and God. like went at 3am at 3am to find out if anyone's watching his show. <laughs> of course. And he met a man named Buffalo who was watching it on a pay TV. Like you had your quarters <laughs> in at the, like, bus not. station. 
And oh, uh, oh yeah, he, his his great line to the camera was like, "I almost just got murdered." <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that was what was funny about like the Quinn thing. I remember just like watching them just like walk around the neighborhood yeah. and like in real time look for a house that would let them. And I was a like, little dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. A little dangerous. <laughs> it was absolutely. We we yeah. were uh, yeah, and it was neighbors. I mean, it was it was nearby the studio, yeah. and so they were being neighborly. It was really great. Pretty amazing. That, it really was great. We're excited about affirming. it. Um, yeah. yeah, that was great. And so was this episode, fellas. That's it. Just oh, happened. Wow. It Thank happens that fast. Yeah. I tried to warn you, man. As you soon did. as we sit down, we talk fast and the episodes move quick. We're vice presidents great. now, so we have, we're busy. We have a lot to do. I understand. Yeah, yeah. 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 You have cards to write. We yeah. have business cards to print. That's so right. we all have lives to yeah. live. We have fake mail to receive. Uh, yeah. Once again, thank you to Nick Bernstein for coming on the No Joke Podcast. For that podcast, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And like always, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>